Property taxes are one of the most substantial tax burdens businesses face. In 2020 alone, property taxes accounted for almost 38% of all taxes paid by businesses to state and local governments. These taxes are highly unpopular and can get extremely confusing. But when done right, property taxes can actually be quite good. What does a well-structured property tax look like? And how do these taxes impact a state's competitiveness in an increasingly mobile economy? Welcome to The Deduction, a Tax Foundation podcast. My name is Jesse Solis, Communications Manager here at the Tax Foundation. And this week, I am joined by our policy analyst, Janelle Fritz. Janelle Fritz, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Jesse. Of course. And I emphasize your last name there because it's a new last name. Uh, congratulations on your wedding. How has that been so far? Married life? It's been great. But yeah, the uh, the name change is taking some getting used to. So I appreciate the <laughs> emphasis so I can remember too. <laughs> a- absolutely. Absolutely. Let's just get straight to it. We're talking about property taxes and this is kind of relevant to you. You just bought a house recently, correct? Oh, I did. And that has been a process. <laughs> so do you think about property taxes more than you did in the past or as a tax nerd? Have you always thought about these things pretty regularly? See, I'd like to think that I do think of them a little more than your average human. But yeah, now that we have to budget monthly expenses in addition to a house and a mortgage, we think about them a whole lot. Yeah, we live by spreadsheet, which I guess is kind of the nerd way to live. But that's uh, that's how we're doing it now. So. Mm-hmm. Is your husband, uh, is he a numbers guy too? Oh yeah, he's a big spreadsheet fan. Like when we started dating, he tracked all of them on a spreadsheet so we could keep track of what we did and what movies we saw. Yeah, no, we're, we're a spreadsheet family. That is awesome. When we talk about property taxes, it gets complicated pretty quickly, right? Oh, definitely. You are recording from an office building. I'm recording from an apartment. We just talked about your new home. Those are all different types of property. So before we even get to the nitty gritty. Can you just define what a property tax is for us? Yeah, absolutely. Good question. Good place to start. Uh, Property taxes are what they sound like. They're a tax on property. So that's things like uh, buildings and land. And uh, in some places that can include uh, personal property, things like cars and trucks and machinery. But in some places it doesn't include that. There are actually a bunch of steps in calculating your property tax. So if you want to get into that, we can. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, there are a lot of steps involved. All right. Are property taxes leveled at the federal level, at the state level, the local level? Where, where do people usually encounter them? Yeah, property taxes almost exclusively are levied at the local level. Okay. And that is kind of important because it's one of the few ways that local governments can raise their own revenue. The other way that they can raise revenue is uh, local option sales taxes. But most of their money is coming from those local property taxes. And because it's locally levied, there are a lot of differences like between states, but also just within states on how much they are and what that structure looks like. Hmm. So like I'm guessing like New York, New York City probably has different property taxes than the rest of the state. Exactly. And like property tax levels in urban areas like New York City, they're often a lot higher than in rural areas. So in different parts of New York, they might be less, whereas New York City, yeah, that's going to be really high. Okay. And why, why would you say that is? Well, property taxes are linked with property values just by definition. So in places where the property values are really high, those taxes are going to be higher. But it also has to do with how many services a local government gives. So in places that are really urban, that local government is going to be doing a lot more work for the community than like somewhere in a rural area where they don't have to do quite as much. And so they don't have to bring in as much revenue. Okay. Uh, And you mentioned revenue there. Are are these revenue raisers? Uh, For local governments? Yes, definitely. Like mostly uh, (laughs) schools are mostly uh, funded by property taxes with uh, some assistance from the state and some federal assistance there. 
But in terms of like what the local governments are bringing in, yeah, that's property taxes all over. Okay, gotcha. So so they are bringing in money uh, and they're usually here at the local level. Do you think that is a good system in general? Do you think this is like a good thing for governments to be reliant on our property taxes? Or is there just a general better way that maybe like if we're going back to, you know, pursuit of life, liberty and property, it feels like property would be like a no, no to tax. But what would you say its benefits are or its disadvantages? So that's a really good question, because often property taxes get a bad rap just because people see them. They're really transparent. So they really they really see that property tax bill and they don't like it very much because they're they're often higher than people want them to be. But I think it's important to step back and realize that the property tax is actually a relatively good tax because first it's on property and property isn't mobile. So that means that the revenue you're bringing in is going to be pretty stable because while you can pack up and move as a person, you can't just pick up a house and move it to a different town. <laughs> like that property is still there and they're still going to be getting revenue from it. And the other thing is, I mean, because it's not mobile, there's not going to be as much economic distortion from a property tax just because you can't make as many decisions to get around it as you can with some other tax. Okay. Oh, and the other thing that's important mm-hmm. about property taxes is they really tie in with what we call the benefit principle mm-hmm. in that the people that are paying taxes are also the people that are getting benefit from those services. Like the people in New York who are paying for those schools and are paying for the fire department, they're the people that are getting the benefit from that. So it's a it's a good tie-in. Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate you brought up benefit principle there. I know we mention that often with like uh, gas taxes, those pay for the roads you're driving on. It's something that directly feeds back into where the tax is being levied. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so you you had a, uh, a new map out recently on taxfoundation.org. Um, we do this big state business tax climate index every single year. Could you give kind of just a brief explainer of what that is? You can describe it better than I could. Yeah, absolutely. And I do get ahead of that project. So I'm always happy to talk about the index. (laughs) Uh, What we do is we basically compare all 50 states and we look at their tax structure. So we don't just look at how much money a state brings in, even though that is important. We mostly look at how they bring that in, like what kind of structures are in place? What does the base look like? How is it interacting with the economy? That kind of thing. The more complicated a structure is and the more unstable it is, the the worse score that you're going to get on the index. And so we do look at a couple different categories. We've got your individual income tax, mm-hmm. your corporate income tax, sales taxes, unemployment insurance. And like you mentioned, yes, we do have a property tax element that we focus on. So a state gets a score in each of those categories and then also an overall score on the index. How important is the property tax component to that overall score? So the property tax makes up 14.4% of a state's overall score on the index. And the percentages differ because we basically, well, we determine the weights based on like how much variation there is in that tax between states. So like with unemployment insurance taxes, states are pretty similar on that. So we don't weigh that very heavily. We figure that where states really differ from each other are where companies are going to be looking in terms of, hey, is this going to make a difference for us? So if a state is really different on something, then we weight it more. With the index, you're releasing um, some maps past few weeks, weeks ahead. Uh, You had one on property taxes come out recently, um, which some of our listeners, if you don't know, I handle our our media affairs here at the Tax Foundation. So reporters, you know, they write on some of our studies from time to time. This one got a lot of traction pretty quickly. And pretty organically, it seems to be something people care about. Um, So looking at the property tax map, I see Indiana is number one. What's Indiana doing right? We're both from Michigan. I don't want to give Indiana kudos where it needs to happen. But why is Indiana number one? Yeah, Indiana is doing a lot of things right. As you said, Uh, a general principle of tax policy is that you want 
low rates on a broad base, and Indiana is really doing that with their property taxes. They have pretty low collections overall. The two things we look at in the index are uh, property tax collections as a percentage of personal income, and then property taxes uh, per capita. And that's what we look at. And Indiana is doing really well on both of those things. Hmm. Other categories that we look at that Indiana is doing great on is uh, wealth taxes. Indiana doesn't have any of those, which is fantastic. It also has some pretty important uh, tax limitations. So uh, it has both a rate and a levy limit on its property taxes. So that means that, uh, Hmm. I mean, obviously the rate that your property taxes are charged at That is limited by how much it can change each year. And then the overall tax levy, which is the total amount that a local government can bring in, that's also limited from year to year. So that helps keep those property taxes low. Gotcha. And and looking at that ranking, too, seems like Indiana jumped from number two to number one um, this past year and New Mexico jumped from number one to number two. Did Indiana do something to get that hedge up or is it just general trends or... Why did they claim the mantle this year? When it comes to property taxes, it's hard to do really granular comparisons just because there is so much difference at that local level. So apples to apples comparisons are often hard. Okay. My guess is that New Mexico just had slightly more collections this year than last year. And that's probably what made the difference. Hmm. But New Mexico does have a one interesting difference from Indiana, which I don't think changed from this year to last year. But it's worth noting that New Mexico has an assessment limit. Hmm. And so that means that how they limit property taxes is they change how much your uh, assessment on your house can change from year to year. So if an assessor comes in and says your house is valued at $500,000 this year, they can't just come in and raise that by a certain percent the next year. Now, that sounds great in theory, but it comes with some problems. What are its problems? It has some kind of funny economic effects. Because uh, you can imagine it as if you bought a house in, I mean, California has this with Prop 13. That's a really good example. Uh, So you bought a house one year. And so your house has actually greatly increased in value over years because the housing market is so hot. But your assessment hasn't really increased that much. So you're sitting pretty in your current house. If you sell that house and you move to a different house, Hmm. your property tax assessment is going to go way up. Because your new house is going to be actually worth what it is for property taxes, whereas the house you're sitting in right now is not. So it really uh, affects decisions on people moving around and selling and buying houses. It kind of uh, it handcuffs the market a little bit because people want to stay in the houses they're in. So it causes some uh, weird economic distortion. Okay, and and on the housing market, um, you mentioned it's hot right now. Yeah, it's kind of nuts. I cannot buy a house right now currently. If I were going to... Would property taxes be different today compared to, let's say, three years from now, the housing market cooled? What is the difference going to be there? Like, generally speaking, it's probably going to differ from state to state. But is there a better time for tax purposes to buy a house? I mean, that's a tricky question. But because property taxes are so linked to property values, then when your house value is going up and your property taxes are also going to go up. Mm -hmm. But if everyone's property values are going up at like the same rate, it might not be as big of a deal for you because how local governments determine the property tax rate is kind of weird. And that at the beginning of every year, they decide how much revenue they need to take in. And then they divide that by the total value of houses in the area. So then you end up getting a rate of so many dollars per thousand, but it's divvied out based on how much your house is worth. So kind of a weird system, but that's that's how it goes. Keeping accountants employed, I'm sure. Always. Quickly back on the map, too. We talked about the top of the map. 
that quick change that happened this year, Indiana taking number one from number two. It looks like Connecticut has been 50th for a while. Why is that? Yeah, Connecticut has a couple things that's really bringing it down in the index. And the first is the most obvious and that it just has really high property tax collections. Like it, you cannot get around that. That's going to dock you in the index for sure. But the other problems with Connecticut is that it has a capital stock tax. And so that's a kind of property tax that isn't going to apply to just your average uh, residential person. But it really does matter to businesses. That's basically a tax on a business's net worth. So that's basically all of the business's assets uh, minus its debt. So the problem with that is that it's not based on profit at all, as you'll notice, Hmm. uh, which means that it's just it's going to be charged the same whether or not a business makes a profit in a year. So if the economy is really not doing well or if a business is just starting out, that's going to make a really big difference, that capital stock tax. And Connecticut has one of those. So that's a problem. Wow. And, And on businesses, too. Uh, something we've talked about a lot with the state team, especially this year and last year is this mobile economy we have where workers can really work wherever they want to now. And taxes do play a part in where people decide to ultimately work. Have we seen uh, this affect businesses any, especially with property taxes? Are businesses becoming more mobile, too, in this economy? And are property taxes something to take into greater consideration? Or are businesses still kind of more tied down to where either their assets are from? Like, you know, if you're an energy company probably going to be in Wyoming. If you're in politics, you're probably going to be in D.C. Um, are businesses becoming more mobile too or not? And how have property taxes played into that? Uh, businesses are definitely more mobile than they used to be. Uh, it can make a difference what type of business you are. Like like you mentioned, there are some businesses that just aren't going to be able to move. If you have natural resources that you need, uh, you're, well, those operations are going to have to stay in the state with those natural resources. But in terms of where your employees can be based, that's a lot more flexible. Uh, where your headquarters can be based, that's also a lot more flexible. And what we've seen just in general is that property taxes are one of the biggest parts of a business's tax bill. So they are going to matter to businesses. And if parts of a business are more mobile, they will probably choose somewhere that will maximize their profits and minimize costs. So yes, they will be taking property taxes into uh, consideration. Looking back at everything we've said here, property taxes are complicated, Janelle. Which Is that fair to say? Oh, that's very fair to say. Yes. <laughs> Does, does it need to be this complicated? Uh, there are probably ways to simplify it, especially with the uh, many layers of people who can levy property taxes. Like it's not just those city governments that I mentioned. Uh, school districts levy their own property taxes. Uh, fire departments can levy their own property taxes. Libraries, mosquito abatement districts. There are just there are a lot of layers. Mm. And often uh, centralizing things to the state level does make things a lot simpler. But uh, that's a hard sell because uh, this is a local tax and they don't really like to give up their opportunities to levy things because they only get so much authority. So they don't really like giving it up when they have it. And I'm sure we'll talk to you again about this soon. But uh, you don't only focus on property taxes here. Uh, You focus on a lot here at the Tax Foundation. So what can people expect to see from you in the coming weeks or months? What else are you working on right now? Uh, The coming weeks and months will be uh, full of different papers. I do a lot of our annual papers. So a lot of updates will be coming from me. Uh, in July, you can expect a an update on the local sales tax rates, which is always a popular one. I look at uh, everything by state and also uh, on the county level, and then I kind of aggregate that to give a good picture of what's going on there. Uh, another thing you can look at from me is uh, a list of states that are doing sales tax holidays this year, which is also something we're not a fan of, but maybe I might mm-hmm. be uh, on to talk about that later. But uh, that paper will be coming out. Pro- probably should be, yeah. 
But yeah, those are the two big ones. And then uh, the index is my big project in the fall. So fantastic. And if people want to follow you for updates, where can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at at Janelle Fritz on Twitter. And that is J-A-N-E-L-L-E-F-R-I-T-T-S. That that username was just available. It was. It was magically available. I am the only Janelle Fritz on the Internet, which is great because I was also the only Janelle Kamiga. I am keeping my reign. Kamiga. I was saying it wrong this entire time. I thought it was Kamenga. It's but... fine. It's changed now, so it doesn't matter. It <laughs> doesn't matter. Well, well uh, Janelle, we'll be sure to have you on again soon. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. The Deduction is produced by Dan Carvajal. To learn more about the Tax Foundation and The Deduction, visit us online at taxfoundation.org slash podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn at Tax Foundation, as well as on Twitter at DeductionPod. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on The Deduction.